As the echoes of Halloween fade and the foreboding shadows of Black Friday bills and a flood of holiday packages from Amazon threaten to overwhelm our senses, let's shift focus from the impending festive pressures that are about to begin to something genuinely spine-chilling. Halloween has always been a threshold moment. It's a buffer between November and the frenzied rush towards the new year and the promises we make for a new start and everything before that. Yet October, with its crisping leaves and early sunsets, all the way to that little chill that builds in the air, holds a special allure. A month where the ordinary gives away to the extraordinary. Where quirky costumes are the norm and front yards transform into grotesque theaters. It's as though the community reverently nods to the unknown beyond. And in today's episode, we delve deep into the realm of the afterlife. And joining me for this spectral journey as a co-host of sorts is my good friend Danny Smith from The Story of Podcast. You guys know Danny well from our historical exploits, but he's a true aficionado of the arcane and an amateur paranormal sleuth on top of that. So he was perfect for a discussion with the person who was at the heart of today's narrative, and that's Christy Sumner, a renowned ghost hunter and co-founder of the Soul Sisters Paranormal Team. With over 15 years in the field, she's not just been chasing apparitions, she's become a seasoned traveler to these realms. And Christy is here to illuminate us on the nuances of the ghostly domain, introducing us to the indispensable tools, guiding us on interacting with the ethereal, presenting evidence of what lies beyond, and sharing nuggets of wisdom for those with a ghostly curiosity. Christy and her all-women team of paranormal investigators aren't just ghost hunters. They're history hunters, delving into America's most haunted with the mission to connect with the past and listen for echoes from the other side. There are compass in this foggy realm, linking our reality with tales that not even death can hush. But find out for yourself in an episode I'm calling, So You Want to Be a Paranormal Investigator. Pro Ghost Hunter Christy Sumner's Advice. Watch out, you might get what you're after. to the With Jay Burke Show. My name is Jason Burke, and though I'm technically the host of this podcast, it's the guests who truly take top billing. This is a place for curious minds who enjoy civil and sometimes meandering conversation. If you appreciate a few laughs and want to come away with knowledge about subjects that aren't always easy to break down, then you're the person I want listening to this podcast. Today, I'm excited to host a truly special episode. And what better way to set the mood than by welcoming two exceptional guests to the show? First, returning again is a man who needs no introduction, a good friend of the show and a friend in real life, Danny Smith, who you all know from the story of podcast. That's a podcast where Danny and his friends research and piece together the stories behind weird history, strange tales, odd occurrences, and crazy legends with a comedic twist. And then we have Christy Sumner, who together with her twin sister, Jenny, formed the backbone of the renowned Soul Sisters Paranormal Team. 
Established in 2014, the Soul Sisters quickly ascended as foremost authorities in paranormal investigations. They've traversed the nation delving into haunted venues such as the iconic St. Augustine Lighthouse and the infamous Lizzie Borden House. Armed with cutting-edge tools, they've unearthed convincing audio, visual, and photographic testimonies of otherworldly presences. Beyond public expeditions, the Soul Sisters graciously extend paranormal investigations to homes and businesses. Furthermore, they lend their expertise to venues keen on marketing their territory as haunted landmarks. Notably, Christy is not just an investigator. She's an accomplished orator, educator, and speaker. Together with the Soul Sisters, they enlighten many at paranormal conventions and symposiums. So I want to thank you both for coming on today. Well, thank you, Jake. I appreciate that. Quite the intro. Dude, I'm, I'm so impressed you got through that in one take. Like, that's you just, know, I made one mistake cool, and I'll dude. have to go back, but... <laughs> that's it I, man you look you, you know they say in the they say in the theater man if you if you made the mistake then you, you meant to do it yeah it makes so, it sound like it's, it's real fantastically done sir thank well, you well sir. Yeah. anyway yeah. danny obviously you're a big big fan of the paranormal you do your own investigating so that's why i thought this was a great opportunity yeah, to have you on the show i think we said one of the last times i wanted to have you on to talk about something like this because usually me and you just rap about history and, yeah. and uh, well, all that stuff. Our episodes normally end up like somewhere in the paranormal range. You know I mean? By, the, By end, the end, we talk our, about... Our hour and a half episode, it somehow finds its way there. That's so, true. Yeah, that's true. Apropos, actually have a professional there with us to speak about it. So and speak with somebody, you know, as uh, as, as well known as Christy is. So I'm, I'm, I'm so humbled. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for inviting <laughs> me. Yeah, Christy, my kids were actually impressed when I was showing them your website. Because, oh. yeah, well, yeah, I mean, usually their eyes glaze over and they just kind of like look into the sky as I tell them <laughs> who I'm talking to. But I got to, you know, be a cool dad for once. So thank you for that. Reaction. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so you have been doing this since 2014. Yes. And yes. it was you and your sister. Mm-hmm. And then our younger sister as well. And a couple female family friends. So we're an all female team. Mm-hmm. And it, it really just started out for us as a girls trip. Um, my sisters and I, we live in different parts of the country. So we would routinely get together and go to different locations and just meet up for a weekend. And uh, we had the opportunity to go to Moundsville, West Virginia, which is where the West Virginia State Penitentiary is located. And we had a family friend that sat on the board of that facility. And he said, you know, while you're here with your girls trip, why don't you take a night and stay the night in the prison and see if you can connect with our resident spirits. So we jumped at that chance because we've always had a fascination with the paranormal. And it was a very rudimentary investigation. We had a couple of voice recorders, a couple digital cameras and such. But we left that experience with unexplainable data, footsteps, men speaking when we knew that there was nobody in the area, doors slamming. And so after that, we really decided that we wanted to, as best we could, form a professional team and elevate this conversation in more of a mainstream situation. And so that's why we formed Soul Sisters Paranormal. That's super cool. That is that's amazing. No, I was going to say, you lived out my dream. Like, to me, that's awesome. <laughs> now, yeah, it, was a, it was an amazing experience. And real quick, we, we actually have a, a family connection because our grandpa was actually a prison guard there in the penitentiary when it was an operation. Boy. And then he became chief of police wow. of, of Glendale, which is the, the town just next door to Moundsville. So he was chief of police for 32 years there. So we, ha- we did have that family connection, which is kind of neat for us mm. as well. Yeah, that is neat. Yeah. Now, what did you find going out there the first time? You must have been... 
there must have been a lot of nerves when you were getting ready to do something like that. <laughs> well, there's a lot of nerves every time we do something like yeah. this, right? You never really know what you're walking into or what you're going to find during the night. But for us, it really was that first night, a little bit of trepidation. We, Like I said, it was very rudimentary for us. It was just one of those things we wanted to experience. And I think the most telling thing that happened that night was if, I don't know if you've seen pictures of the West Virginia State Penitentiary, but yeah. it's, a, it's a very gothic structure. And the main building there, the front of the main building, that's the admin building. And the second floor is the medical facility where they perform, you know, dentistry, small light medical procedures, um, where the patients would get their medicine and stuff. So it's a long hallway. And to access it, there's steel and concrete stairs, like commercial type stairs that on, are on either end. And so we were sitting in the dark on that second floor and we started saying things like, come and take your medicine. It's time to some, come and see the doctor. And footsteps started running up the stairs so loudly that we knew that somebody was going to materialize in the darkness. And obviously nobody ever did. So loud footsteps at night, disembodied voices, like I said, cell doors slamming as well, which was interesting. And so that really put us on the path of kind of what we're doing now. Which is, it's brilliant. I mean, those are, those are like essentially like trigger words, right? Very similar to a trigger object, right? That you're going to use to try to draw out any sort of things. And it's, it's awesome that that worked so well, you know? Mm -hmm. Did you guys, did you like, you had, obviously then you had the idea, right? Of trigger words and trigger objects, right? So you walked in with already with a strategy almost. We, we did uh, to some extent on that first one. You know, my sisters and I, we come from a research-minded background. All of us have advanced degrees. So we're, we're used to looking at things from a slightly different angle. Um, not to say that we're any better than any other people out there in the field. It's just we have kind of a way of looking at things a little bit differently. And so that's, that's kind of what guides all of our investigations. So every time we go to a location, we, we put in a lot of research on the front end really delving into the history of these locations to, to your point, get trigger words, trigger dates, trigger objects that we can formulate in order to communicate with these spirits. Trigger music as well. Just some of those things that the entities in a location can relate to and we can start to formulate that conversation or, sure. or get that response that we're looking for. So to your point, yeah, the first time in, in what, in Moundsville, we did have some trigger words. Now we've gone back uh, again. And the second time we took what I considered a very unique trigger item. And we're the first team that has, has done this in the West Virginia State Penitentiary when it was in operation. One of the worst prisoners in there was a guy by the name of Red Snyder. He was in there for killing his family, leader of the Aryan Brotherhood, very bad guy. And he had two vices in life. The first one was tobacco and the second one was watching Days of Our Lives. So every day they'd wheel a television in front of his cell. They'd let him watch Days of Our Lives and then they'd take the television away. So what we did in order to formulate that connection with him, we downloaded an episode of Days of Our Lives on a laptop and we put <laughs> it in his cell. No, we put it in his cell and I said, Red, this is for you. We know you like Days of Our Lives. We're going to let this episode play for you and we're going to go off and go to another cell block and just let you sit here and enjoy this. And so we did. We let it run. It, it ran for about an hour and then the laptop died, which is what I wanted it to do. So no, there's no electronic interference. And mm -hmm. when we went back, we asked the question, did you see what we left for you? And we got a mail re response of yes. And then wow. later during the night, as we were leaving, I said, you know, we have to go. But Red, thank you for communicating with us. And behind me, a male's voice said, no, thank you. And we caught it on audio. It was extremely, I mean, it's, it's there. You can tell it's a male's voice. It was right behind me. And wow. so I think because we had made that connection with him, he was thanking us for yeah. kind of showing him. Yeah kind of some of the stuff that he wanted.
Yeah, that that's actually an interesting way to go about it because you're not antagonizing. You're actually trying to really mm. communicate with with the entity, and and you see most. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think most stuff I see on TV is kind of, I don't want to say even just stage, but it's set up for, for eyeballs, you know, just get eyeballs there. So there's a lot of maybe antagonistic kind of nature to it, but I like, you know, I, that's, that's an interesting way to, to go about it. Yeah. And, and, you know, for us, and I'll just address a couple of your points. The first thing is we never antagonize. We never provoke because we feel that there's no need to do that. We don't go in with bravado. We don't go in with chest thumping or anything like that. We feel that if you sit down and you respect the, the location and you respect the entity or the spirits you're trying to communicate with, you're going to get a positive response. There's really no need for us to go in there and say, throw the chair across the room or I'm not going to believe you're real. And the second part is most people that have an understanding or think they have an understanding of the paranormal, they do have that mentality because of television shows. You know, TV shows, TikTokers, YouTubers, they do a great job of sensationalizing some of these locations that they go into because they need viewers, because they need advertising, because they need sponsors. And if you don't have that, then you probably won't get sponsors and advertisers. And so I think the audience just needs to be aware that some of these shows, they have to be sensationalized for that very reason. You know, I can honestly say that the locations that we've gone into, we've never felt malicious uh, or anything malicious, anything dark or demonic, nothing like that. Um, and I think it's just kind of a different perspective of how we go in versus how another team might go in. So you, you never encountered any kind of, I guess I want to call it like a dark energy or dark entity? No, I, I will say that we've experienced things that were darker, but by darker, I don't mean evil. I think if you're a jerk in life, you're going to be a jerk in death. Yeah. So for example, we've had places where we go in and we have a voice saying, get out. All right. Well, that's fine. You know, you don't want us in your space. I completely respect that. This is your space. We're coming into it and we're going to leave. I, I think the, the, the quote unquote darkest ener- energy that we've really found was at Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary in Petros, Tennessee. But we knew that going in. There's supposed to be an entity that is in the auditorium. That's his space. And so for us, we really don't even want to engage with that. We put a voice recorder in the auditorium. We told him, we know that this is your space and you don't like people coming into it. If you want to communicate with us during the night, here's a voice recorder that you can speak into. We also have a camera that you can walk in front of. Otherwise, we're respecting you. We're getting out. There's other locations on the property that we can investigate. And so for us, that we really don't need to engage with anything like that because we just don't think, think it's necessary. You know, it's one of the things that, excuse me, you know, I've, I've been on a, a few investigations myself and my wife gets really freaked out, you know, with the possibility of attachments, you know, of some sort of dark energy attaching. I really think your approach is fantastic where you walk in, you don't, you try to avoid, right? The, you know, that situation altogether by just showing respect and not going into a place that is known to have a dark entity there. And mm-hmm. sort of challenging it, right, to essentially follow you home because that's that's an awful thing that I have heard anyway. Thank God it's never I've, I've never experienced that, but I've heard that's just awful. You know where they, they can travel with you from place to place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even if you you move, right, you go somewhere else, right? I've 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 read up on stories where it's you know whatever it was that entity it traveled with that family or that person. So that's a really smart move. I, I that's that's mm-hmm. cool. And I would imagine you get, you know, like you said, a lot more interaction if you are going in there in a, a you know, with a, with a, a frame towards restore mind towards respect rather than antagonizing. You know, I'm not going to lie. I, I tried antagonizing before. Didn't work, but I, I, you know, 
You shouldn't. I look, man. It's agonizing. I was at a Confederate. I was at a Confederate graveyard, and and being from the north uh, and a history teacher, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I wasn't very <laughs> respectful, you know. And had to remind them that they lost and a few things like that because I was getting a little, little patient. But you know, it, pretty much an amateur move. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the the, the antagonizing is probably not. That was especially yeah, my like your your investigation <laughs> to end, you know what I mean, where you're at, not the investigation to follow you home. To, yeah, yeah. Well, and and what what we do when we go into a location is the first thing that we say when we go in is we're not here to provoke you, we're not here to get you to leave in any way. We understand that this is your space. We just legitimately want to tell your story. And if you want to communicate with us during the night, these are the methods that you can do it. You can speak audibly. You can talk when we're not here because we're going to have voice recorders set up. And we explain yeah. to them what we're doing. And then we set our boundaries. We say, you know, you're not allowed to come home with us. You're not allowed to touch us or harm us in any way. Unless we give you permission to touch us, you're not allowed to do so. So there are times when, especially like when we're trying to communicate with a child spirit, where I'll be on the floor and I say, you know, can you touch my hand? Or can you pull my pant leg? If I give them permission to touch me, then that's a different story. But we, we truly set our boundaries when we go in. And then when we leave, as we're leaving, we say, thank you so much for communicating with us tonight. Again, we're reminding you that you must stay here. You are not allowed to come home with us. And we just thank them for their time. And that's really how we close out our sessions. Hmm. So and that seems to have worked, obviously, right? It does. Uh, it does. And, and, you know, I also think that because we're an all-female team, we go in with a, a, a different sense of, I'm not going to say I'm empathic, but a different sense of empathy for some of these locations, you know, more so than an all-male or a co-ed team would. And I think because of that, we we get some different responses than other teams might because we're all female, especially when it comes to women or children. And so for for us, I think the 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 just the makeup in general of our team lends to different responses than other teams may get. That's probably true. I mean, I could just tell by the way you go about it, your method is is just totally different than anything I've ever seen. Let me ask you this, because I know you said you had a number of methods to try to capture what you want to, whether it's audio, visual, or, or whatnot. What has mm-hmm. been your most successful method? Honestly, voice recorders for us. And so the very first thing that we, we do when we go to a location is before we even cross the threshold into the location, we have our voice recorders on record because you never know what you're going to get just talking and during setup and everything else. I'll give you an example. We went to the Lizzie Borden house, which was the site of the 1892 murders of Andrew and Abby Borden. And, uh, you know, Lizzie Borden was, she was tried for that, those murders, found not guilty. So we investigated the house and there are five of us in there that night, five females. And we had set up all of our voice recorders. We had some on us, but we were still bringing in our luggage because we stayed the night, a complete overnight. So we were bringing in our luggage and, and our equipment from the, from the car. And so three of us were upstairs and two of us were downstairs, Jenny and Cara. So they were sitting in the parlor and Jenny and Cara were just talking about the day. And then they started talking about the differences between the Velisca axe murder house, mm. which we had investigated prior, and the Lizzie Borden house. And Kara makes the comment, you know, being axed to death would be a horrible way to die. And a man's voice says it was. And we caught it on the voice recorder that was sitting there. And so for us, the voice recorders are our best tool. And, you oh, know, yeah. if, if I were to go in with nothing else, it's a voice recorder. And then after that, you know, we have different night vision video cameras. We have different electronic tools that we take in with us as well. But the voice recorders is our, is our best tool that we use. Okay. 
What are your thoughts on the uh, the spirit box? You use the spirit box? Do you? Uh, I love the spirit box. A, pro- a proponent wondering. of it. I, I want I, um, one so bad. I've never been I, um, able to use one yet. Um, they're cool. E- you know, it, it is a controversial tool in, in the paranormal mm-hmm. community. A lot of people, you either love it or you hate it. Yep, for yep. me, I absolutely love it. So for those who don't know, a spirit box is, generally speaking, it's an AM, FM radio that's been modified to very quickly sweep through frequencies. So when you turn it on, it sounds like as you're going through these frequencies. The idea is that the spirits can use the white noise to communicate with us. So I'll give you an example. We were investigating the Ma Barker house, which is in central Florida. We were the first team allowed to investigate this location. And it's the site of the 1935 shootout between Ma and Fred Barker and members of the FBI. So on January 16th, 1935, the FBI tracked down Ma and Fred Barker to this house. A gun battle ensued, and it's the longest gun battle in FBI history. And it culminated with Ma and Fred being killed in the upstairs bedroom of this house. So when we went to do our investigation, we had the spirit box running. And we're asking questions in the room where Ma and Fred's body were found. And you can hear it sweeping through the frequencies. And I said, what happened in this room? And the spe- through the spirit box, it said, they murdered us. We the ones dead. And as that phrase is coming through, first of all, the, it's, it's, the calculations is astronomical that those phrases are going to come together via radio, right? Via radio stations. And as the phrase is being said, you can actually hear the static of the frequency still changing behind it. So that really solidified to me that the spirit box is a cult that we use on every investigation that we go to. Yeah. You, get, you get an intelligent response to a question, right? mm-hmm. it's, you know, and it's, it's very telling. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. absolutely. Yeah. I've seen those. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty freaky, honestly. <laughs> I mean, like I want one so bad. Yeah. They look cool. <laughs> like, so neat. I think, I think yeah, if I ever um, did this, I, gotta, I want to start with that. I know that's starting at the yeah. top, but like, yeah. yeah. It's one what of those I tools that you either you love it or hate it. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, I've seen them a few years ago and that's kind of like where I was like, oh my God, this thing is amazing. But you've mentioned that you, you've had access to so many different spots. Mm-hmm. How Can you describe the process kind of that you guys go through to get access to these areas? Is it difficult? Like, you know, like, how do you approach it? Like, what is your, you know, what's your approach to, to maybe contacting? Like, have, like the, I'm just, I'm in <laughs> awe that you get to go to all these places. Like, how does that work? Well, it, it varies. So the first way is that there are those locations that allow paranormal investigators to investigate. So, for example, I'm currently sitting in the historic Scott County Jail in Huntsville, Tennessee. It is a location that I own with my co-owner, Miranda Young, and we bill it as a historical museum and a paranormal research center. So we allow paranormal investigators to come in and investigate this location. They pay a, a small fee and they get the, the location for the night. So there are a lot of locations across the country that allow you to do that. So the first plate, the first thing that we do is we contact those locations and we set up a time to investigate. Another method is we get asked to come in. People watch our YouTube channel or something and they'll call us and say, would you like to investigate our location? We've had that happen numerous times where we're invited in to to investigate because they'd like the way we present the history as well as the paranormal. And then the third one is we go out and we research location and we ask the owners, will they allow us? So for example, the Ma Barker house, it had never been investigated before. So we approached Marion County, Florida, which is now the owner of the house and asked them if they would allow us to be the first team to investigate. And we told them what we did. We gave them a a very cohesive presentation on what we do and they allowed us to investigate the house. And so those are kind of the methods of how we find the locations. 
a lot of prep, you know, and, and I guess, yeah, absolutely. Just having a cohesive understanding, like we're not in here to mess around and, and kind of just, you know, yeah, you're in, you're in there for actual research rather than mm-hmm. views and likes. Right. Oh yeah, you absolutely, you absolutely have to, you know, and, and we talk about this on, on when, when we get asked the question, you know, we don't monetize anything that we do. Everything that we do is, is self-funded. I don't monetize my YouTube channel for that very reason because I don't want somebody to come back and say, you're doing this. You're finding this quote unquote evidence because you want likes and subscribes. Nope. That's not the case because I'm not monetized. And so that we want to keep it as transparent as possible. And, you know, for us, our main driving focus is the historical significance of these locations. Before we investigated the Ma Barker house, again, this shootout happened in 1935. Before we investigated the Ma Barker house, very few people in Marion County, Florida even knew about it. After we posted that video, it's been seen uh, over 50,000 times. We got requests for interviews. We got requests for podcast interviews, news interviews, radio interviews. And we had people contacting us saying, I live a mile from that and never knew that that was there. Or I I grew up in Marion County and never knew that was there. Thank you for for putting that history out there. Sure. And that's what we love, right? To to be able to tell this historical narrative and say these places are important for this more this historical significance. And that's what we love to do. You know, we get to have this this tactile experience with these locations, I get to touch the doorknobs of the Lizzie Borden house. You know, I get to put my fingers in a bullet hole at Ma Barker house or sleep in Brushing Mountain State Penitentiary. And not many people can say that they do that. And that's what we love to do is to, to be in these places and tell the history. That's true. I mean, I think it, it's because you have a professional way of going about it. You could obviously see you're very intelligent with it or very, very educated about it. And it seems like you know, just to go off of what Danny's talking about, I guess the way he's asking, it's like, you just, it, it's just so funny to see you just started with this one West Pit, West Virginia state penitentiary. Mm-hmm. And then it seems like it just snowballed from there. Um, <laughs> it, it really did. But did you start with like YouTube and everything at that time or did you? No, we didn't. And in fact, YouTube was never never on my radar of anything to do. We were doing this really because we wanted to do something unique as a family, my sisters and I, and as a girl's trip, right? And so we never really even considered doing anything like this. Really, my family, my family spread out all over the world. And so we were getting aunts and uncles, you know, messaging, what was it like? What did you feel? What did you experience? And so one of my, my cousins just said, why don't you just put it on YouTube? And so our very first video that we put out there was our Fort Mifflin video. But that was our sixth or seventh investigation. And so then after that, we put it up and we just happened to find, we happened to capture a shadow figure at Fort Mifflin. And so when we released the video, Fort Mifflin shared it out. And that really kind of started us, you know, on this, this journey where we, we started to get, you know, for lack of a better term, fans and viewers and people mm-hmm. really enjoying what we do. And like I said, to be able to share the history of these locations that many people don't even know about, that's what really kept us going and what keeps us going. Which is, that's, that's awesome. And I have so much respect. I'm a history teacher. So, you know, the fact that you go into this with such a low of history is fantastic. Your thoughts. Okay. Real quick, shadow people. What is your theory? What, what, what do you have an idea? Do you have a theory about what they are? So the shadow figures that we've captured or that we've experienced, for me, I, I just think that they're a manifestation of the energy. And, and okay. I think the reason we don't see 
a lot of them, like we can go to five or six locations and never see a shadow figure. And then you go to the seventh one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, but I think because it takes so much energy to manifest as that, that's why they're so rare. You know, I think it takes much less energy to say a word or a phrase than it does to manifest as a complete apparition. Now that being said, full body. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So that being said, I mean, there's been three different locations where we've been actually to, able to catch uh, a shadow figure. The four, the first one was at Fort Mifflin. The second one was at Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. And the third one was right here at the historic Scott County Jail. So there is a full body apparition that walks to the jail. We do believe it's one of our sheriffs who was killed here in 1925. He was killed right outside the front door. And so we see him routinely. We've captured him on film one time as a, as a complete apparition. And I just think that it's the the energy they're able to manifest at that particular mm. point in time. So for me, it's just a manifestation of energy. Do, do you find, though, when you're saying the manifestation of energy, you know, I've always heard about the room getting cold or certain things happening because obviously that made sense to me when they they told me the room would get cold. I never knew until I was watching something where they said, well, it's, I know when the room gets cold that it's manifesting the energy in the room. And I was like, now that makes total sense. Do you find things like that when when you see something like a shadow person or or some entity like that? Every now and then we'll get a cold snap or a cold spell that you'll feel. And it's not all the time that, that you either feel it or there's a correlation between the cold and a manifestation. For me, it's more about the entire atmosphere almost seems to be charged, if that's, a, if, for lack of a better term. So one of the, and again, for lack of a better term, I'll call it a tell. One of the things that kind of happens to me, and I can say, okay, I think something's going to happen, is the left side of my body, like my leg and my arm, it starts to tingle, almost like it's asleep. You know how when you, you your arm falls asleep and it starts to tingle? Yeah. If I start to feel that, it, it's almost like the room is charged and I can say, okay, I, I think we're going to get something here. I think something is going to communicate with us here. So that's kind of what I feel personally. There have been some times we've, where we have cold fronts or, or cold spells, if you will, but it's never been correlated with an apparition on our investigations. Your your sense, you know, with the tingling, is that something that gradually came on? Or was that, you know what I mean? Like, like did, you, did you notice like you became more in tune maybe with spirits as your investigations went further? Or was it something that you kind of had the ability to do, you know, on day one? No, it, it really happened kind of gradually, or, or I mm. noticed it gradually. It was one of the things that I really didn't pay attention to. And then the more it happened, I'm like, okay, this this may be something. You know, sometimes when I go upstairs here, because this is a three-story jail, when I go up to the third story here and I'm by myself at night or, you know, even during the day, if 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 I start to feel that, I'm like, all right, guys, what's going on? How you doing? Anybody want to say anything today? And there have been times when we've gotten EVPs just walking upstairs just by ourselves. And so for me, I, I think I may have always had it, but I, it, I just started to put it together after two or three investigations when I said, okay, this kind of is, this is something. More. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> that, 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 that's cool. <laughs> it is really cool. It's making me want to try it, but I'm, I'm like Danny's wife. I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to take something home. I just know it. <laughs> we know how to not do it, man. Like well, I'll that's come up true. And, and my, my brother lives in Jersey. Like I'll go to visit him and then you and I will meet up. Dude, Jersey's got a ton I of know it does. areas. For mm-hmm. sure, especially with the Revolutionary War and stuff mm-hmm. over by Hamilton, that area. 
There's a ton mm-hmm. out there. So I got some gear, man. I'll bring it up. Let's go. Think, we'll be respectful. We'll be good. I think you know that's I, mean? yeah. I think that's the make way a to day go. Of it. That's true. If you go if, if if you can just go a little bit further south, go to Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia. Fort Mifflin is absolutely fantastic. You will not regret it. How is the how how is the ability to get in there? Is it is it easy? Yeah, for for overnight investigations, yep. You just contact them and they'll they'll let you go in. But even during the day, if you just take a day tour, they have What's interesting about Fort Mifflin is uh, it was a Revolutionary War fort that was very important to George Washington when he was trying to get his army into Philadelphia. So basically, this small band of soldiers were, was able to keep the entire British armada from coming after George Washington and allowed him to get his army into Philadelphia. So it's a very important fort. But after the Revolutionary War, it was then used in the Civil War as a prison camp. And then, you know, during the Korean War and the Vietnam War, they actually had munitions there for safekeeping. They stored munitions wow. before they shipped them overseas. But even during the day, they had these casemates, these subterranean rooms where they kept munitions cool. You go in there with a voice recorder even during the day and you'll, you know, there's a good chance you'll get an EVP. We've investigated there one night, but I've been on several day tours there. And almost every time we've captured at least one or two EVPs when we go into these case meets. Okay. So Jay, that's it, man. We're doing it. I think that's, we should just go take a day tour. Just go take a day tour and take a voice recorder with you, sit in one of the case mates and just start asking questions. Yeah. Yeah, We're going overnight. Forget that. We're going overnight. There you go. There you go. We're doing it. Throwing me in. going full. Just on, let me. me know. I'll meet you up there. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> all right, man, I don't do anything. I can't play with this. Uh-uh. No, I, I can tell you're like, you're like with the people you throw the baby in the water and teach them how to swim. You just go right for it. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's it. Dude, I'm psyched. Like I'm getting ready to roll. I'm going to pull out my gear and run. There's a cemetery down the street from my house. It's down this dirt road from behind my house. I'm rolling down there after we're done. I'm going to go take some EVPs down there. That, there I you go. My, I got, yeah, I got my stuff ready to go. You went on a few, <laughs> you went to a few places this summer, right? Didn't you, Danny? Yeah, not this summer. Last summer we did, we went up to Lake Bomacine in Vermont. Okay. Which was right at the, I don't know which direction it was, but it was at like one of the ends of the lake is an old, old cemetery back from, I mean, they had gravestones from the 1700s old. And, and we went there and we definitely caught some, some stuff for sure. We had our, the K2 meter was going nuts. And it was the first time that, you know, I had just gotten my K2 meter. And I had used it quite a few times. Obviously, in the house, you want to check it up. You make sure you put it next to the microwave, make sure it works and all that stuff. Yep. And I had on a couple of investigations prior that and you hadn't got anything. You know, not everyone's a, is a hit. They know it's cool. That's fine. But we were there. Excuse me. And I noticed that my cousin's wife, who she said she's, you know, she's lived in that area her whole life. And she, she feels as though she has a sixth sense. And I, and I never doubted her at all. But I was on one side of the cemetery and I'm walking over and I'm seeing her and she's with my, my other cousin, another female. And they're, they're leaning down towards this gravestone and, and on the corner of my eye, I see the K2 meter lighting up. And I was like, oh, they're getting something. I was like, oh my God. So I walk over and just very quietly just start observing. And I had my, my camera. So I got it all on tape, which is cool. You know, it's got the infrared and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was intelligently answering questions. And it was like, you know, yes or no. If it's yes, please bring it up to the red. If not, bring it back to the green. Hey, can you bring it up to orange? And there it goes. Hey, can you do that? And it was just, it was super cool. And then as quick as it started, it's as quick as it stopped. And mm-hmm. then it was just done and nothing for the rest of the night in that area. But it was, it was just cool. It was one of my favorite moments because, it, you know, actually I had some gear that worked. You know what I mean? Because you never That's know. That's fantastic. You know, and, and that was cool. And the, and the fact that we were able to document it um, and actually get it, you know, mm-hmm. it was, got it on tape and it was like, 
can't can't deny that. I don't I don't know. I'm not going to be one, you know, to come out and say this is 100 percent proof, but I can explain it. I exactly. Can't. We were in the middle of nowhere. There were no electric, you know, electrical wires around us. I, I can't explain it. There was no reason mm-hmm. why this cape meter, you know, with electromagnetic frequency was going off at this one gravestone for a limited time, seemingly answering questions yeah. and mm-hmm. stopped and we couldn't get a reading on it again. It just yeah. didn't mm-hmm. make any sense. I, I've got no answer for that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Call it what you want. But for me, that was, that was pretty cool. So. Well, Chris, mm-hmm. Christy, uh, do you deal well, with a lot of skeptics? We do. And and for me, the way I answer that is we're not trying to convince anybody of anything. What we're doing is we're going to these locations. We're controlling the environment as much as we can control them. Noise pollution, light pollution, all of that. And then we do our investigation. And what we are left with is, to Danny's point, the unexplained. And we put that out there. And if somebody wants to come and say, well, I think it was this, this and this, then I will definitely have that dialogue. And if they can explain it, that's fantastic. But for us in the moment, these things that we're experiencing are unexplained. So you can watch the videos for the history. You can watch the videos for the paranormal. You can watch it for both, but it's not us trying to convince you of anything. So very rarely will we say, oh, this place is haunted. What we say is this place had a lot of unexplainable data that night. And that's how we really describe it. But and that's kind of how we quell some of the skepticism of what we do. Just by saying that if you don't believe it, that is absolutely fine. My job is not to convince you. Um, what we're doing is, like I said, just putting out this this very interesting documentary that's interesting for us and showing you what we did during the night. But, you know, it's, it's such a, a research and scientific, you know, way to approach it, mm-hmm. which I think is probably disarming to a lot of people. You know what I mean? You're not rolling out there saying, look at this, it's crazy. You know, there are plenty of shows we don't necessarily need to, to name them that are on television that go out there, you know what I mean, with with a point, okay, you know, and again, it's like, tell, it's, it's the same thing like you guys mentioned before. It's like newspapers, you know, they, they're looking for ratings. I get it. I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, not putting anybody down. But yeah, when you go at it and you, and you, and you really, and you use terms like unexplainable data, it is a very disarming term to somebody mm-hmm. who might be looking to say, Oh, you're looking, you know, you, you, you have bias or you have a point to prove or this or that. But yeah, you know, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a smart way to do it. It's a very research and it's a very, you know, scientific based over, but sci- you know, scientific based method to it. I mean, really all science is, especially with experiments is replication, right? Absolutely. Are you able to replicate? And, mm-hmm. and that's the key. You, you know what I mean? And, and, if it is a rep, you know, if like you had said, if it is something that somebody can uh, replicate again, well, then maybe it's not, maybe it's not a haunting, maybe it's not spirit, maybe it is whatever, you know, <laughs> the, 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 whatever that is, right? You know, and that's, you know, that's a brilliant way to go about it because that is, you know, I think, like I said, I know you just use the term, but it just seems like a very disarming way to get, you know, kind of go around skeptics. Yeah, I was thinking know? the same. And people thing. should be skeptical. No, it's good. We should be skeptical in a way. Mm. Otherwise, I mean, what's the point? I mean, we all obviously, you know, I don't know. Let me ask you. So I, I've had prior to any of my investigations, I had multiple experiences. Okay. In things that I couldn't explain. And, and I would say I was always a believer. You know, I've always had an open mind to it. Always been very spiritual. But I, again, before I do any of my investigations, I, I had a few, you know, instances where I was like, Holy shit. Like, that was crazy. <laughs> and it's going into my, my, my investigations. I was already a firm believer mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, the, the other, whatever you want to call it, past life, the other work side, whatever. And I, I, to me, it's almost, I don't know. I love 
to, again, replicate experiments, but it's almost kind of like a drug. Like, no matter how many times I've seen it, it is just this rush and this thrill of, oh my God. And I, it's almost like, I don't know, it's like a drug. It just makes you feel special, right? That you've, it does. You know what I mean? Am I, this is, can you identify with that? You know what I mean? That you've got to experience something like this. It's a crazy feeling. It's, I don't know how to describe it, it, but it's a lark. And I want it again. (laughs) You know, like I want this again. It never gets old. It doesn't. And, and that's what's so great about this field, right? You know, I can investigate Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary tonight. You can go in and investigate Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary tomorrow, and it will never be the same investigation. You will never get the same evidence that I got. You may hear a, a disembodied voice. You may hear footsteps as I did, but it's not the same. It's not the same investigation, right? It's unique to you and your investigation and your experience. And so that's what I find so fascinating about it. And, and it is a rush, you know, for, for us, what we do is we go into a location, we set up stationary voice recorders, we set up stationary night vision video cameras. And then when we're done with the investigation, we sit and listen to all of it and we watch all of it. So if I've got 10 voice recorders running for 10 hours, I'm listening to a hundred hours of audio. And so, and, and to listen to that 99.9% of the time, I'm just listening to static for 10 hours. But when you hear that voice that comes through at, you know, minute, hour number 11, it's fantastic. And it does, it keeps you going because in that moment, when you know that nobody is in that room and most of the time we get male voices and you know that there's no men on the property at all, that's unexplainable to me. That's cool. Yeah. So it is definitely a rush. I can Mm. see that. I, I, I can't say I've had too much experience with it. It's something I don't doubt. Just even, you know, and I have kind of an analytical mind, but, you know, even when you're talking about the sensation you get, you know, I start thinking about like Jungian philosophy, talk about collective unconscious and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I, I yeah. think there's something to that because I, I talk about this sometimes and I've talked about it in prior episodes where it's like feelings are intangible things you can't really touch. Right. I mean, it's hard to explain. You know, they're real. You know, they're there. You know, that's. It's something, you know, in the ether somewhere, but, you know, it, it's it's hard to explain. And I I could imagine it's probably the same way for talking about going between, I don't know if I want to use the word going between different worlds or, or whatever. Maybe it's just a boundary we we have trouble crossing. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, the kind of the way that I explain it, and this is kind of the theories that we work on, you know, I'm a Christian. I do believe that there's heaven. I do believe that when, when, people die most of the time their spirit or soul whatever you want to call it will ascend to that next realm of heaven i do think that there are certain circumstances where the soul is allowed to stay behind or the spirit is allowed to stay behind you know we hear the term unfinished business i Mm -hmm. do believe that is a thing so some of the spirits that we communicate with have an unfinished business for example my granddaddy died in 1986 and I was very close to my grandmother, who's my Nana. We call her Nana. So I was very close with Nana. And in 2016, when she was 94, I had a very vivid dream. I mean, this dream was the most vivid dream I've ever had. And it was granddaddy. He came to me in this dream and he said, I'm waiting on your Nana and you're going to be getting a call soon. Two weeks later, we got a call that Nana was in an accident. She completely crushed her hip. She went into the hospital, ended up developing MRSA, went into hospice, and she never really recovered from that. So she was in hospice for about four weeks. And on the day that she passed, literally three hours after she passed, with permission from my family, I looked at Jenny and I said, I know where she's going. She's going to meet up with granddaddy in the room that was depicted in the dream in their house. 
And so we grabbed our K2 meters and we went to the room that was depicted in the dream. It was his office. And I had two K2 meters, a black one and a gray one. And I said, Nana, are you here? Both of those meters started going crazy. And I, and they're literally three, three feet apart. And I said, it, can you stop on these and just go to the gray one? And it did. And I said, okay, stop on the gray one and just go to the black one. And it did. And so through a series of, of communications, we think we communicated with Nana and granddaddy. And after that, they ascended together. That was his unfinished wow. business because a week later, we went back because we wanted to validate. We went back a week later, stood in the exact same spot with the exact same K2 meters, asked the exact same questions, didn't get one blip on, on anything. Didn't, the needle didn't move at all. And so that is, I believe, un, that was his unfinished business. Now that it was fulfilled, they moved on. I don't expect to see them anymore. Another theory is that they are stuck. I think we see this a lot with children. They know that they need to move on, but they don't know how to get there. And then the third one is, mm-hmm. I think that there's a fear of the retribution of the life mm-hmm. they lived on earth. And I think that this is the reason why we see a lot in jails and prisons. You know, there are bad people on earth. Wait. They don't want to face what their definition of hell would be or what they told would be a hell. And so that's why they stay yeah, behind. Judgment. Exactly. So those are the theories that we work on. What's your thoughts on residual hauntings? Have you come across those? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, the way I explain residual hauntings is if you think of a vinyl record and it's on a record player and there's a scratch on the record, every time the needle hits the scratch, it's going to, it's going to jump, right? It's going to have that beat yeah. in the, in the sound or the music. And I think the same thing is this, it, it, that's how residual hauntings are. Every time there's an anniversary or an, a significant date or a significant event, sure. it's going to be essentially that blip on the time record. And I do think that we get those. An example is, again, going back to the Ma Barker house. So when we did the investigation, the shootout happened on January 16th at at about five in the morning in 1935. So I wanted the investigation to be a two-part investigation. So the first night, we set it up on the 80th, on January 15th of, it would have, which would have been the 83rd anniversary of the shootout. Okay. So we set up all of our equipment on the night of January 15th and we let it run by itself. We locked the doors. We left the house, right? Because I wanted to see if residual hauntings would occur on the anniversary, on the morning of the anniversary, right? So we went back the next day. We collected all of our voice recorders. And at about 5.30 in the morning on January 16th, which again would have been the 83rd anniversary, we captured two voices in the room where Ma and Freddie were found. The first one said, Freddie. The next one said, yeah, Ma. The first one said, get ready. And I think that's a residual haunting. I think that's what they said just before the gunfire yeah. started that, you know, when the gunfire started. So do you think that's, that's a, an, a spirit or do you think ahead, that's just ahead. like an energy imprint? Like you're talking about the scratch on the record. You think the mm-hmm. spirit's gone, but the, it's almost like a loop. I think, I think that was the spiritual imprint. Absolutely. Right. But I do believe that Ma and Fred are still in that house because we did go back two weeks later. Cause again, it was a two part investigation. Jenny and I went back two weeks later. We were in the house for about eight hours. Um, and we were capturing intelligent responses. Um, for example, Ma and Fred were part of the Barker Carpus gang, which was the most prolific gang of the 1920s, 1930s. And so Carpus, Alvin Carpus was the other leader of that gang. So we were in the house and I said, can you say the name Alvin? And through the spirit box, it said Alvin Carpus. I had never said the last name Carpus. Wow. I just said, can you say Alvin? And it said Alvin Carpus. So, so I think that true. is intelligent. Yeah, I yeah. think that's intelligent. We use a device called a REM pod. 
which is essentially mm-hmm. like a K2 meter that hasn't, they're very fun. And the, the cool thing about it's the Ma so Barker cool. house is we, we had complete control of that environment because the house sits on about 40 acres by itself. There's no power to it. There's no water to it. And so we were able to 100% certainly say nothing is affecting this environment outside of us. Yes, exactly. So when we were upstairs using our REM pod, we were getting extremely intelligent responses off that REM pod. And so that, that was, that led to the fact that there are intelligence um, in that house as well as residual. Do you mind explaining a REM pod? Because I don't know if anybody else knows what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So basically it's amazing. Yeah. So a a, a K2 meter is a device that measures electromagnetic energy. They were actually designed for electricians to find energy spikes in houses, right? So they've been repurposed obviously for ghost hunting. So a, a, a REM pod is essentially a step up from that. It's also a proximity meter that measures electromagnetic energy. The thought is that if a spirit can walk up to it or manipulate it in any way, it has an audible alarm as well as the light array. And it also measures, yeah, it also measures temperature fluctuations. So if, if the temperature drops significantly at a very rapid pace, it will sound a, a different audible alarm. So the theoretically, if you're in a house with no power, you should be able to sit this thing down in the middle of the room and it should never go off, right? Because no energy is acting on it. But when I say something like, Freddie, if you're in the room, can you touch the red device and it starts lighting up and going off? Again, that's something that to me is unexplainable. I can't explain that because there's no energy source around it. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And just, you, you know, as you had said from you know, you hear from the, you know, mom and, and, and Fred Barker, like, you know, Fred, you know, get ready. Just as a historian, like, that is a piece of history yeah. that is unknown to any yeah. human being. You know what I mean? Exactly. And the fact that you get to, you heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. It just, it, you know what I mean? Just, just from the historical side by itself mm-hmm. is like, that is one of those lost pieces. You know, mm-hmm. that will never, ever get back. And you got to hear that. Like, that's just, that's so brilliant. It's just so amazing. Like, really, just, it blows my mind. Just from the historic yeah. sense of it. Um, because, and, and, yeah, and- the Barker gang and my Barker was huge. Like, that's a, uh, <laughs> that's a big name. Like, that's nuts. Uh-huh. And, and I, I, I absolutely love everything about that story. You know, from the, the, how she grew up to how her kids grew up to how they formed the gang and, and met Alvin Carpus. I mean, that, that story to me is just fascinating. What led up to the gun, the gun battle. I, I just, I'm a, a major his, history buff about that story for sure. But to your point, that's exactly what it was, right? It's almost like you're, you're hearing a time capsule that nobody else yeah. has heard before. And, you know, we've experienced that in several locations. The Exchange Hotel in Gordonsville, Virginia. This is a, it was a, a hotel that was built pre-Civil War. But during the Civil War, it was recommissioned as a as a hospital, so it cared for both Union and Union and, and Confederate yeah, soldiers. Both yeah. sides would uh, go to a field hospital, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So there was there's absolutely about 700 recorded deaths that happened in this house after the Civil War. It was recommissioned back into a hotel. So when you go in there today, that was a brilliant half, idea. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but like before, I was just thinking that. <laughs> An idea was that. There you go. Hey. Um, so, so when you go in there today, it's a three story hotel. 
half of the rooms are set up to look like Civil War field hospitals. So you have mm. all of the pictures and the the apparatus that they use to perform surgery and such. And then the other half is set up to look like um, the hotel rooms of the that period, you know, the 1860s, 70s, wow. 80s. And so we were there. There were four of us that night. And we had a voice recorder sitting on one of the beds in one of the hotel rooms that looked like a hotel. And two of us were outside and two of us were in the house. And But we were on the third floor, not the second floor. And during the night, we captured a man's voice that said, I don't know, I'll be back at 4.30, which to us is a residual. But to your point, it's almost like that time capsule. So we thought it's either a doctor saying that I'm going to be back at 4.30 to check on this patient. Or maybe a train conductor saying, you know, the train is going to leave. I'll be there at 430, that sort of thing. But I do think that was a residual phrase that this gentleman said during that time period. And it was re- it's fascinating to hear it. Which it's crazy if you think about it, because I don't know how else to describe it. But really, in a sense, that voice has time traveled. Yeah, I, I mean, you, that's a good way to put it. That, Mm-hmm. I, I mean, for real, I mean, if we want to talk, you know, at its very essence, that's mm-hmm. time traveling. Their voices legitimately yeah. echoed hundreds of years. And mm-hmm. you were there to hear that echo that was first spoken, you know, 160, 170 years ago. Absolutely. That's mind boggling. It's just, you know what I mean? It just blows yeah. my mind. It um, does. And it, it, it adds such a cool element to life because sometimes life mm-hmm. is just so boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? And to learn how that, that you know, how maybe spirits and time travel are real. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up, buddy. <laughs> you know, what, re- what really fascinates me are the voices that we get that you could absolutely tell inflection or a dialect or an accent. You know, there's been several EVPs that we've captured here in the, the jail here in Tennessee where you can absolutely recognize that Tennessee accent, that mm-hmm. kind of that drawl. And those to me are the most fascinating because it, it very much solidifies one. It's, it's regional. It's supposed to be here. It's got that regional dialect and it's, it's something that nobody that is capturing it speaks. They're not, that doesn't, that's not how they sound. So those are the ones that really intrigue me. Have you ever had, obviously you've went into residential homes. Do you have people coming there just to, I don't want to say exercise or get rid of a spirit because I understand going to, a place that used to be a civil war hospital where so much, you know, tragic mm-hmm. death happened and, and violence, you know, you could definitely see it there, but have you seen it in residential homes that nobody really knows about? Absolutely. So the the way we approach residentials is the first thing that happens is usually they'll contact us say, Hey, I don't want you to think I'm crazy, but this is happening. Okay. And really the first thing that they want is somebody to believe them that, that they're experiencing something. So the very first thing that we do is we'll research the location. I'll also tell them to go get a voice recorder, just, you know, $30 from Best Buy or whatever from Amazon, get a voice recorder and let it record in your house for about 24 hours and either send it to us or you listen to it and see if you capture anything, if you hear anything. The next thing that we do is we go in. And we look for, again, for those environmental factors to see if anything can be causing this that they may not think about. For a very, for a very quick example, we were asked to investigate a business and the, the guy was adamant. He had just opened about three or four weeks prior. He was adamant that it was haunted because at night, all of his cameras were, were doing all these weird things. And so it's a, it's a storefront. It has a glass storefront. It's got mirrors, got display cases through it. So we investigated for about three hours one night. We weren't experiencing anything. 
And so I left some of my night vision cameras in there and I said, you know, we're going to leave these. So when we came back the next morning, I asked him if he had activity and he said yes. And I said, well, give me the timestamps. I'm going to cross-reference those with my cameras. And what we found was the way his storefront was positioned, it said perpendicular to a road with a high volume of U-turn traffic. So when the cars would make the U-turn, the headlights would come into his store, bounce off the mirror, and essentially blind his night vision cameras. And to to him, it looked like something was manipulating the cameras because he wasn't thinking about the headlights. And so I told him, either move the cameras or take down the mirrors, and I think your haunting will go away, and it did. So that's the very first thing that we look at. The next thing that we do, we'll go in and we'll actually perform an investigation. And if we find anything, we'll present that to the homeowner and say, okay, this is what we found. You know, this is to us is unexplainable and you have some options. You can live with it. You can coexist with it if you want, if it's not harming you and you're fine with that. And a lot of homeowners think, hey, that's cool. I live in a haunted house. This is great. I just wanted validation. Um, and then there are those that say, you know, I want to get rid of it. Now, we personally don't do that, but we have people that we know that will. So they'll come in, they'll cleanse the house, you know, they'll, they'll request the spirits leave. And I've been to some of those, those exercises and they're, they're fascinating, but we personally don't do that. Do the religions Um, matter in that? It does. So yeah. So you'd call a priest. I did one out in um, Colorado where they called a a Native American uh, shaman and he did a whole bunch of stuff with feathers and, and sage and all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, so it, it does. And then really it's about the homeowner just saying that this is my space, right? You're not allowed in Claiming, my space yeah. anymore. Exactly. They they kind of reclaim that space, but they just need a little help mm-hmm. doing it. Interesting. What are your thoughts on, on demons? Do you, do you believe that they exist? Are they real? Or, or, you know, like, what are your thoughts on that? I do. I do believe that demons exist. I don't believe they exist to the extent that the shows have said they exist. Sure. But to me... When we go to these locations, we're attempting to communicate with something that had a human existence. It lived, it died, and for whatever reason, its energy and spirit is still here. I don't believe a demon had a human existence. It's the representation of evil, of the good and the evil in the world. So I do believe that it exists. I do believe there's certain instances that can provoke it to appear. But uh, and, and that's why I think some of these people on YouTube and TikTok and all of that need to be extremely careful because I do believe that they can manifest that if they go in with the wrong intentions. But personally, we have never seen it or experienced it, uh, but I I do believe that it exists. You also don't go in with that kind of attitude or with any kind of antagonation towards it. So exactly, like you said, you're playing with fire. The only thing when I think about demons and things like that is, I mean, do you think that's almost something that's self-fulfilling. And what I mean is it always, what always bothered me when I think about demons is then there's the absence of God there or the absence Mm -hmm. of light. And Mm -hmm. I'm always like, well, where is that? And I don't know if that just has to do then if, if all of this is true, is it have Mm -hmm. to do with the person and what they're helping to manifest it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I do think that Obviously, your your intentions of going into a location really drive what is going to happen to you. I believe if you go into a location and say, you know, you SOB, come up here, hit me, scratch me, do this, or I'm not going to believe you're real. I think you're going to believe, I think you're going to get that, that response, right? Um, it's essentially like going into somebody's home and saying, um, I'm taking over this place and you can scratch me to get me out. Um, it's the same concept. Um, and, 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 
but I, I don't think that what most of these people are experiencing when they do that are demons per se. I think demons are, are a, a very, for lack of a better term, specialized category that is not as prolific as people say. I think they're happening in very certain, in, they're happening in certain instances, not every time somebody goes into a location, if that makes sense. And so I do believe to your point, your intentions are really going to manifest that, but you may b- just be dealing with a spirit that is a jerk and wants you to leave, yeah. not necessarily a demon. Certainly a demon. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Do you think that demons may be attracted maybe a bit more to somewhere that's had a bit more trauma, right, than the average place? Is that, you know what I mean? Do they kind of feed off of that type of energy, do you think? Or is it just happens I mean, more I mean, just a manifestation of what the person's maybe necessarily looking to see or the kind of energy they bring? Well, you know, I think it's possible, but let's look at something like Gettysburg, right? I mean, all of the mm, trauma I've that has happened to Gettysburg. Get, exactly. I mean, I've been to the Great farm place, tour yeah. several times, right? But mm-hmm. how many times have you witnessed a demon in Gettysburg, right? Even though Good you've point. got this, Good lo- point. Uh, every time you've got this location that has all of this traumatic okay. energy, you know, loss of life, you know, just, just, just sorrow over this yeah. entire area. But yeah, you don't see demons there. I, Good I point. Think, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's really a matter of, kind of what you're trying to manifest to to Jay's point, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you go in and you say, I, I need to see a demon and you call forth one and you're a, a real jerk about it, I think you may get that type of response. I've also seen it. It's yeah, like yeah. they tell you not to open open a portal or, or whatever you want to call it, whether it's a Ouija board or through some other mm-hmm. means. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. mess a Ouija board. I know good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we we don't mess with those either. Not so much that we don't believe in them per se, but again, it's that connotation, right? You you go in with this certain expectation when you use those things, an expectation that you're going to get a certain response, and yeah. just just how the public perceives them. You know, again, for me, with the, with the demonic conversation, it's something that's there, but I just don't think it's as prevalent as it's made out to be. So, for example. We investigated uh, Prospect Place Manor in Trenway, Ohio, and we just happened to be there a couple of weeks after a very famous television show that's still going on was there, right? And but we went upstairs to the attic area, and there was a dead bird there, and the docent was saying, you know, we, we can't touch it because this certain person said it was a demonic pigeon. I said a demonic pigeon, that doesn't make any sense to me. And he said, yeah, you know, we, we need to leave it there and, and do all this other stuff. I said, I, you know, that doesn't compute. I, I don't think there's such a thing as a demonic pigeon, but demonic that is pigeon. what, yes, exactly. So wow. that is kind of what is perpetuated through television and media right now. Yeah. So I, I just, I so say that to, to tell that to somebody, you know agreed. what I mean? Like, that's agreed. Like, and so for us, you know, like I said, we just kind of steer, steer clear of that because it, we don't want to, to really even delve sure. into that 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 side of it but i do think that if you go into a location with the wrong intentions of provoking sure. and really kind of showing your tail for lack of a better term i do think you'll be met with resistance for for the record i didn't ask a confederate to punch me or scratch me today i, I was just <laughs> i was just kindly letting him know that he lost the war um, your death was for and, nothing and yeah, I don't, I don't think I, 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 I didn't go as far as to dance on a grave, so I didn't do that. So that's good. But I, I, I don't think I invited them. I to but they didn't do anything anyway. They didn't want to talk to me. I, like, I lost, I lost all my <laughs> Southern listenership. So that's it. 
<laughs> Chrissy, if I can ask you, and I hope not a, a personal question, I, 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 I does anybody uh, on your team uh, meditate before a, a, a any sort of investigation to kind of get more in tune? Is that something you guys do at all? Not so much meditate. You know, we we do sit down and have conversations about what the investigation is going to look like. You know, we do say yeah. a prayer before we go in, and we'll say a prayer when we come out. But not so much really sit and meditate as you would probably think. It's more of us okay. just kind of sitting down, getting a game plan, kind of getting our head right as a team, okay. more so than anything else. Which essentially, I mean, you could say is the same thing because really, I mean, all it's really doing is just you're just centering yourself and getting yourself yeah. focused on right. what you're trying to do. So, okay. All right. So, I mean, it's a, a form of getting, you know, you're not just like, ah, and then running in. <laughs> no, no, we actually, you know, we sit down and we formulate a plan. And that's another reason why we, we try to, as best as we can, take a day tour before we go into sure. the nighttime investigation for a couple of reasons. One, to really understand the layout, to look for those environmental factors, to know where we want to leave certain stationary tools. And then really, once we do the daytime investigation, we'll come back, we'll get together, we'll sit down, we'll come up with a game plan, you know, who's going to go where, deploy what, and, and just really kind of, to your point, get our, our heads right for the investigation. Do you ever deal with any psychic? You know, you always see them coming out on these investigations or even helping the police try to solve a crime or something mm-hmm. like that. So I was wondering if you had experience <laughs> with that. Not as Soul Sisters Paranormal. We've never had a psychic join us on the team. Really, that's more about logistics than anything else. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the hardest part about what we do is getting everybody, because we all have, you know, professional lives, getting everybody to a location yeah. and getting it all sure. that worked out. So really, that's more about logistics. Now, here at the Historic Scott County Jail, we have psychics come in here all the time. Some of them are, are more spot on than others. You know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disparage anybody in their abilities. Some of them have told us things that, we know for certain did not happen, but mm. that's fine. You know, as long as you, as long as you have that belief and you're passionate about it, that's okay. But, you know, to come in and say things that aren't true, that is a little bit different for us. You know, when, we, sure. when somebody comes in, we do give them, if you're investigating, we do give you a history tour. You need to make sure that the history is right if you put out any type of video or whatever. But a lot of the teams that come in, they do have psychics and some of them have been, been pretty spot on. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I've always wondered this. Is there more activity at night? Do ghosts care if it's the night or the day? Or is it just more fun to do an investigation at night? Because I prefer to do investigations. <laughs> I always thought I think, that I don't to know, do with the energy. Yeah, beyond, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, what are your thoughts? Right? Does it really matter? Like, do they know what time it is? Why like, 3 a.m.? Is, is it? Yeah. The witching so, hour, right? That's the deal with the witching hour. Like, is it a thing? I, I didn't. Well, see, here's my thing. So, 3 a.m. at what time? At Eastern time, Central time, Mountain time? You know, what are we doing? That's, that's a great but, question. Uh, point. Uh, it's always 5 o'clock you know, somewhere, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, listen, <laughs> the spirits come out no matter what time of the day. You know, okay. going back that's to the Bob Barker. Going back to the Mob Barker house, after we did the investigation, I enjoyed it so much that I became a docent there for, for a year. And I would go back into that house numerous times during the day. I'd, I'd open up for tours. I'd open the door and I said, Hey mom, hey, hey, Freddie. And sometimes you get a response, right? You hear a footstep running upstairs or a good morning. Same thing here at the historic Scott County jail. It, it does not matter. We'll, we could be sitting here at noon and you'll hear somebody whistling upstairs or you're, you'll hear footsteps on the back stairwell. A couple months ago, I was actually opening one morning and we have, like I said, we have three stories. So I was opening up and I had a cup of coffee with me and I got up to the third floor and I said, you know, good morning, guys. Anybody want a cup of coffee? A guy said, yeah, I'll take one. 
He was in the, yeah. you know, they're, they're, I'm the only person in the building. So it does not matter. Fort Mifflin, we captured some great stuff there during the day. We actually went out to, when we did the Velisca Axe Murder House out in Iowa, the very next day we investigated Malvern Manor and that was a day investigation for us. And we, we captured some amazing evidence. So it does not matter day or night. The spirits don't yeah, care. Yeah, that's what I always figured. I know it's probably better for TV, you know what I mean, to have more of the spooky ambiance, but mm-hmm. I know it was. Yeah. Hell, like, they have a shift, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you like well, the thing about the night is, is a couple of reasons. One, you know, some of these places, like here at the jail, you know, we have daytime hours. Um, we have sure, a historical sure, museum sense. during yeah. the day, so you have to do it at night. And also, your senses, as you know, Danny, your senses are so different right. when you're yes. not relying on sight. Absolutely. When you're in the dark, your hearing becomes more acute, your smell becomes more acute, yep. your feeling becomes more acute. And I think it just makes for a better investigator when you're doing sure. it at night because you're not relying just on sight. You're letting the other things take over. And, and that to me is, is, is all of, that's the experience in and of itself. Sure. Yeah. I agree. I, I absolutely prefer night investigations, but. You know, I just wasn't sure if the, if the, if the, if the spirits really had a preference, you know what I mean? Like, cause they're going to do their thing no matter what. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And I would imagine <laughs> what most spirits, when they were alive, did things at daytime, you know, like the rest <laughs> of us. Right. So, um, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I don't know. I think Gettysburg, I think is a great place to go. Mm-hmm. I had a great time at Gettysburg. Oh, have you ever been to Eastern State Penitentiary? Have you, have gone there? I have not. You know, we we're going to go at one point, but I know they started coming up right at, at COVID. They started coming up with some new yeah. rules and such. So we have never been there. No. Okay. Which I know, Jay, that's not too far from you. No, it's not. Uh, we gotta, yeah. Yeah. I've heard we'll, some we'll, we'll, we'll telling you, fellas, Fort Mifflin. We'll more, uh, Fort Mifflin. <laughs> yeah, we'll hit Fort Mifflin for sure. Absolutely. I need like... I'm on some break jam coming. You I know. need like four or five people at least, and I have to be in the middle. That's my rule. <laughs> you need know. a ring of safety. I just I'll need get, like my. That I'll get my brother and and my nephew, and and we'll all you know what I mean, and 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 we'll we'll, we'll go with we'll go we'll go very respectfully hit it. Yeah, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> we'll hit it in a very respectful manner. There's I've talked to you about this, Danny, but there's a place by me. It's right over the over the border here and up in New York state the old 76 house and they have a mm. lot of a lot of activity there and my son was always interested in that he actually wanted to have his communion there just because he wanted to hear the guy talk about the ghost stories there but yeah that was another place where washington <laughs> that's washington that's stayed there and a bunch of revolutionaries but they are always they have tours there too it's at like two in the morning for whatever reason again mm. the night shift but and they talk about it like yeah. i think they'll put pennies on on the tables, they go flying off and stuff like that. But it's funny because they've been there so long. They're just like, oh, yeah, I hear footsteps upstairs. It's probably what you go through, Christy. Like, oh, yeah, just the footsteps. <laughs> you know, nothing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, my, like I said, my co-owner, um, uh, she's my best friend and she's also a paranormal investigator. And that's how we met. We've known each other for about uh, seven years now. And we, uh, we'd always talked about getting a location, a haunted location and, and running a haunted location. Um, and it was one of those. As soon as we got the keys, like, we're going to be here every night. We're going to be investigating every night. And now it's like, okay, y'all do what you want. 
You'll, you'll hear footsteps. So, like, can y'all just knock when you it do off something interesting? Come call me, okay? Like, this is yeah. <laughs> when you start, when you're ready to start opening some cabinets, let's go, people. Let's let's, let's take it up and listen. It, it happens. We if you go to our Facebook page, we actually have one of our doors opening. We caught it on camera. The door opens in the middle of the night, and it actually, whatever it is, we have a jail cat. Her name is Sully. She stays here during the night, and Sully. yeah, it some something opened the door and. And kind of shoved her in and shut the door behind her. Wow. Now, have you noticed, does she seem to, you know, be a little bit more into them? Yeah. Have you noticed that? She does. So there are several times where like she'll go up with us to the second and third floors and she'll act like somebody's petting her. Like she'll lay down and kind of roll over. She'll look at oh. it like she's following, like, you know, in her eyesight, she looks like she's following somebody. And then there are times where she'll just refuse to come upstairs. Like, nope, I'm not mm. doing it. Nope. You can't make me go up. I'm not doing it today. So it just kind of varies. But, you know, we had a conversation. She, she was a stray that came in about a year and a half ago. And we had uh, a conversation with the spirits and said, listen, she's going to be here. You guys need to coexist. And we had a talk with Selly and, and she's, she seems fine with it. She stays here and she's pretty happy. I mean, if she didn't want her, she'd be gone. You know, I mean, well, that's true. Yeah. If it's, if, you know, I mean, if it scared her that much, she'd be out of there. So obviously she doesn't mind. Too. Nah, you know? I, she's, she's, she, I think she's very content here. Awesome. So surreal. I do or live on my dream. <laughs> just does. Thank get like thank you from from you know what I mean from side thank you for doing this because that's just oh. amazing knowing that you know what I mean you get to immerse yourself in this oh my god that's awesome like that's so amazing and I'm not that far away from you I'm in, over I'm in North Carolina so I'm not that far from you so well, I, 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 over here. Yeah. I think I should probably come by this this summer so my wife and I are always talking about going to Tennessee. And, and, well, maybe we'll take a trip over to see it during, you know, the, the summer break coming up. That would be great. I've never been to t- Tennessee. Hey. Here it's Gordon. So yeah. Yeah. It's what, what, what part of North Carolina? We're over by Raleigh. So I got a couple of hours to go before I can get to the mountains. So once I hit the mountains, okay. you know, we hit Gatlinburg, I think, right? When you first get over the, the, the border right over there. I'm yeah, about three about, or three or four hours from Asheville. And then, so I got a oh, okay. little bit to go ahead. But, yeah. About so, an hour and a half. Yeah. You're, you're booking up oh, your summer, yeah. Danny. Dude, I am. You kidding yeah. me? My wife's going to be so <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> She's going to be furious. Can't go on. But again, it, can't go there this year, honey. Family. I got two places I got to go. Well, we were talking about taking a, we were talking about this yesterday. We we're going to do a, um, what is it? A, a hot air balloon ride in Asheville. Oh, during that's the spring, cool. And that's something she's always wanted to do. So been saving up a little bit. So maybe if we do like a little hot air, you know, hot air hot air balloon thing in the in the in the springtime over in Nashville, we can go a little bit further out of Tennessee. You know, that's cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll come by and we'll say hi to Christy. You know. Yeah, we'd love to have you. Yeah, and then we'll make our way back up to you, Jay. You know, and we'll go go to Mifflin. <laughs> we'll go to Mifflin. There you I go. like it. I like it. Try to get my <laughs> my kid to go. He's interested. He's like me though. He's like, I don't want anything attached. He just said it to me when I was talking about <laughs> I was going to do this one. <laughs> He's like, my problem with it is if there's a 1% chance it could attach to me, I don't want to go. Like, I don't want to do it. I don't. Why would I take that chance? <laughs> That's how I feel about going in the ocean and getting eaten by a shark. Like, even if it's that 1% chance yeah. that a great white might be there that day and might eat someone, I feel like it's going to be me. No, like, it'll probably be know. me because I'm all... Jaws and sharks leak. Yeah, I've, I've done it enough times. Like, they can, they can, uh, like the magnetic, you know, pulse in your heart and I'm freaking out in the ocean. So I know it's going to be me. <laughs> I feel it. I understand. <laughs> Makes sense. 
What I want to ask you, Christy, before I wrap it up, and I really don't want to wrap it up, but I have to, but what advice would you give to an amateur ghost hunting group starting out? You know, I'd say the first thing is to really go into it with the right intentions. And by that, I mean, if you're looking just to do this to get a scare on a Friday night, that's really not the reason to get into paranormal mm-hmm. investigations. For me, it, it is one of those things where you really need to have the love of history. You need to have the respect of the location. You need to have the respect of the spirits that you're trying to communicate with. So I, I think the first thing is really to have that right intention. The next thing would be to have patience. When you go into these locations, you know, we're, we're sometimes in there from anywhere from 10 to 24 to 48 hours. And most of the time you're sitting there in the dark talking to yourself. And it, it, it's not, it, it's kind of like just, it's not something that's going to happen every five yeah. seconds. You're not going to get a voice. You're not going to hit a door yeah. open or an object moving. You have to have patience when you do this. And so I think those are the two pieces of advice that I would give. No, that's, that's good it advice. Shows incredible editing skill. You know, a lot of those TV shows, they edit those things so well. <laughs> you know, like oh, they yeah. have, you know, one after another, after another, what a nice Is there, is there any that. one of those TV shows that you've watched, whether it's on YouTube, on TV or anything where you're like, well, that one is actually legit. Yeah. You know, I really, I, I enjoyed taps or ghost hunters when it first started and mm-hmm. stuff, you know, and then we, we were at Fort Mifflin and we were talking to the dose in there and a, about a month prior taps had been there. And again, not to disparage them at all, because I do think that they're a good team and they have a lot of great people on the team, but they were there for a week filming, even though it looks like they're there for one night, you know, they're they're there for a week. They have a production team. They have, you know, a continuity person. They had to wear the same uh, clothes for a week. So the continuity would be through the, through the the episode. So when you start looking at it in those terms, I I think it's a little bit different than what we're actually experiencing when we go to these locations. Yeah. And so I, I do believe that they, they go in with the right intentions. I do think that they did a lot for the paranormal community in the fact that they started this sure. conversation and they brought light to the fact yeah. that people are out there and they have the desire to know what's next. But a lot of them, again, when you start getting into the television realm or, or, or now even the TikTok or the Instagram um, realm, yeah. you just kind of have to t- kind of take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Plus, it's just anybody can yeah. do it. You know what I mean? And now yeah. there's just so many... Mm. I don't want to say everybody's yeah. faking it, but it's so easy. I could do it right well, now. Anybody with you a can. phone, right, or it's going to roll in is going to call themselves a paranormal investigator at this point. Well, exactly I mean, right. And that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. right. You know, you we, we've had several of them come to the jail, and again, if that's how they want to get their likes and subscribe and get financing, that's fantastic. I'm not going to disparage them, sure. but it's much different than what we do. So, for example, a YouTuber or TikToker will come in here. They're here for four hours. They're stomping around, doing their thing, and then they're gone. They have no connection to the history. They have no desire to learn about the history. They're just yeah. here to get one of our doors to slam on, you know, a Friday night, and then they're gone, and they're going to another location. So for those of us that that I'm friends with that are in this paranormal community as true investigators, we're the ones that that go out and do the research we're there to make that connection with the historical location, to make the connection sure. with the entities that are there. And then, you know, we, we, we stay involved with those locations. You know, there's numerous places that I've gone to that I've gone back several times because I enjoyed it so much. You know, I, I do think that there's a difference and people need to realize, you know, ghost hunters, I think those are the people that just go out and want to have some different experiences. They're not out there to really film it or edit or anything like that. And then you've got those that, 
are the livers, again, TikTokers, Instagrammers um, that want to go out there. They just do a quick live and they're much different than investigators. They're not investigating anything. They're going through and doing a live to get subscriptions. And then you've got those, like I said, those of us who are in it for what I consider the right reasons, i.e. historic preservation and research. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, listen, uh, go ahead. I, I, I met Jason Hawes. Nice guy. Super nice guy. I met him at Chiller a few years back up in Jersey, actually. And uh, yeah, it was fun because I, I shook his hand and I was like, oh my God. I shook Jason Hall's hand and my buddy was like, so you shook a plumber's hand. <laughs> I was like, well, when you put it that way, fine. All right. I, I shook a guy's hand from Rotor Room. All right, whatever. <laughs> but he was nice enough where I stopped him in a crack. I was like, Jason? And he was like, hi. And I was like, ah, I'm a big fan. He shook my hand. I was like, oh, wow, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah ex- ex- exactly. I threw my friend against the wall that night. You know? So <laughs> he, he was seemed like a good dude. I was like, ah, that's cool. Right. And, and so, and that's the thing, you know, yeah, Brandon Alvis and, um, uh, who was on Ghost Hunters, Brandon Alvis and his team came out and they've investigated the jail yeah. for their new television series. I, again, there are people out there doing solid research. Absolutely. But you just have to realize that when you're watching these shows, when you're watching these, these people who are monetized, you have to look at their motivation behind what they're doing. And, and so if you just, if you keep that in mind, absolutely watch it for the entertainment if that's what you want to do. But you just have to realize that, that there, there's a difference between them and what we do as, as true paranormal investigators. Right. right. I, I'm sure it's like a double edged sword. It's, it's good that they bring some kind of awareness to all these places and all these, the history of it. And, and, you know, and there, it's good to have that there is an entertainment value to it. It does. Get people watching it, but I'm sure, like you said, the double edge is sometimes it's not done the right <laughs> way, right? I mean, I'm sure it's like well, that in every yeah, industry. And, well, I mean, to your, to your point, to your question earlier, I mean, the most, the most common question we get asked is, are there demons in your location? That is the number one question that we get asked to the point where if, if you're coming in just to look for a demon here, you're not invited. You're not welcome here. I mean, we have a, a very strict policy that yes. you are not to you come mean- in here and yeah, if we if if you say that there's a demon in this location, I mean, we have our lawyers on standby. We will not allow it to happen here. Wow. And we've actually wow. had teams that that are not coming here because of that, and that's kind of telling in of it in and of itself. Yep. If you can't yeah. sign a waiver that says you're acknowledging that there's no demons here, then we've got a problem. So you know that so that that's the double edged sword. That's the other side of the sword, right? We do get the recognition. That people are out here doing the the paranormal research, but then on the flip side, you know, you kind of go down that rabbit hole of sensationalism. Yeah. I also wonder how many people go in. It's like you're talking about people coming in want to see a demon. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's Which is crazy. Well, it, it but it's kind of putting in your head, you're just, just looking for all that kind of stuff. Then at that point, you're yeah. gonna look for the, you know, something subjective and make it whatever you want. Right. Or, or, you know, like, for example, you'll hear one of our door slams upstairs and all of a sudden, you know, Satan himself is sitting on our bunk. And and, and that's just that's not how this operates. That's not how this works. And so, you know, just look at if you just Google some of these locations, some of these more well-known locations, a lot of the thumbnails now are the the investigator making these goofy open mouth faces. And there's some type of upside down cross or a pentagram or something that they've superimposed on the building. And I mean, we're in the buckle of the Bible belt here. We cannot have that yep. here. 
And so it's just, we're not going to perpetuate that, that falsehood with this. But, you know, to your point, it, it is a double-edged sword, but it's one that I'm still thrilled to be a part of. So, yeah. Well, that's great to hear. So what's on the horizon for, for you guys? Well, we do, uh, to your uh, introduction point, we do do a lot of uh, paracons. We make appearances at uh, paranormal conventions. We do speaking engagements. Um, one of the things that I've been researching extensively for the past couple of years is paranormal tourism and historic preservation through paranormal tourism. Um, so I'm hoping to be, uh, I put in proposals to speak at a couple of conferences um, next year. So hopefully those will be approved. Um, we'll be speaking at the Women of the Paranormal Conference in March. We'll be speaking at a fundraising conference for, it's, it's called Scare Away Cancer. So we'll be at Old Harriman Hospital in December. And then we hope to have our next three investigation videos. Hopefully they'll be out by the end of the year. And then some more investigations next year. Awesome. Do you have any investigations planned for Halloween? Actually, we're going to be here at the jail. So just makes sense. You know, then. Okay. Just well, yeah, prison. once you're a location owner, it kind of eats into your investigation time just a little bit. So <laughs> sure. we have a lot of things planned here for the historic Scott County Jail here in Huntsville, Tennessee. Uh, we've also partnered with Rugby, with, uh, Rugby, Tennessee, which is a, a utopian village that was built in, in, in the 1880s. And so mm-hmm. there's, there's still 14 of the original structures the there. Yeah, 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 there you go. So we'll be over there doing some things this October. So we have a lot of different things planned. We do ghost walks here throughout the town of Huntsville. We'll be doing ghost walks throughout rugby. So a lot of things moving here in October. Cool. All right, Tennessee, go out and go, go say hello if you're out there, folks. Yes, please. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you for coming on because I, I actually could have just done this forever, but my wife's going to kill me at yeah. some point because she's got to work tomorrow. <laughs> Um, but you know, I was thinking if you, if you ever want to come back, maybe I'll have Danny back. Me and Danny are big history guys. So, you know, I look at a lot of these places and I think you could probably do like a one-off on some of these places, what you found and we could talk about the history of it or, or whatever. I'd love to. Yeah. I would. would Yeah. I'd absolutely love to. All right. Well, I'm going to try to hold you to that. So absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, you, you pick a couple of locations that we've gone to and we'll talk about them. I, you know, to your point, I would talk about this forever as well. So yeah, yeah let's get round two going. All right. Sounds good. Now, Danny, what you want to tell us what you're doing? Cause I almost forgot to, I, you're just like on the show now. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, look, I, I already told you, you're like an honorary, you know, guest on my show. So, yeah. I mean, you're going to be on for your, what, fourth? I think fourth. Season, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm like that. So yeah, I know we're, we're starting up season three of the story of podcast where a bunch of guys choose the topic independently. We don't share any information whatsoever. We meet up in real time and discuss what we found, everything from the paranormal to my big, Bigfoot. I got my new Bigfoot and a banjo shirt on. I mean, we go to aliens. I mean, you, you name it. We just did an, uh, uh, an episode on exorcism. That's cool. You know, I mean, everything that you can think of. Jay, you're coming on for the uh, calendar. 1752 time change. Yeah. Yeah. The time change to the Gregorian calendar. It's nuts. That was um, good. That's yeah. I mean, be everything fun. that's just odd. Training. Yeah. This is going to be a good episode. Yeah. And so we're starting up season three now. So we're super psyched to keep it going. And Chrissy, you're more than welcome to come on. We're kind of a stranger show where we just choose a topic and we could choose a paranormal topic and you can come on on at any time you want. And, um, I'd you love know, it. And, and we, yeah, I mean, it's very, very much like this with Jay, where we just kind of just have a roundtable discussion about everything we found about a certain topic, put it together, and we tell the story of. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me on today. Great time. Yeah. Super psyched to have been able to meet you. This is very cool. Yeah. Well, we'll get, we'll get something together again. 
Absolutely. Sure. Thank you both very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to everyone who took some time out of their day today to listen. The With Jayberg Show is available wherever you find your favorite podcast or go directly to jaybergshow.podbean.com and subscribe to get the latest episodes. I know it may not always be a straight line, but I hope we'll see you again to take the journey and escape a while for thoughtful excursions into the world of ideas across politics, technology, pop culture, and all realms of civic life. See you soon. Support.